Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. Jesse will be back on Monday. He's in formation with Father Chad Ripperger. And I've got a special guest today coming on, Father uh, Dr. French, who's going to be speaking about the Shroud of Turin. Is it real? Well, you're going to like what he has to say. Also, uh, we've got some breaking news. Pope Francis will consecrate Russia and Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of Mary on March 25th. That's the Feast of the Epiphany, uh, Annunciation, I should say. And this just came out on the 15th, so it's breaking news, and we'll talk more about that also. And so it's going to be a good show about the Shroud. This is a good time to look at the Shroud since it's Lent. But uh, before we do all of that, I want to get some of the soul food in us, which is the gospel. And uh, we do this because even if you can't make daily Mass, we want you to get to uh, read the daily readings of the Mass because that's soul food. So our reading today uh, is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23, 1 through 12 verses. The theme was they preached, but they did not practice. Hmm, we have anybody like that? Hmm. It says, Jesus spoke to the crowd and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. Therefore, do and observe all things, whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to carry, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they will not lift a finger to move them. All their works are performed to be seen. They widen their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love places of honor at banquets, seats of honor in synagogues, greetings in the marketplace, and the salutation rabbi. As for you, do not be called rabbi. You have but one teacher, and you are all brothers. Call no one on your earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. Do not be called master. You have but one master, the Christ. The greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, this reading, I think, is a very appropriate for us in our church today because, unfortunately, people of authority, I'm, I got some authority. I'm the head of a lay apostolate for 42 years. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about much is expected from a teacher uh, than a non-teacher. Well, we have people in the church today who should be living a more exemplar life. Called what's called a sexual, a sexual scandal in the Catholic Church. Many priests, bishops, and cardinals have gone down because they were living a double life. Well, this gospel talks about that, and. In my own lifetime, we had several auxiliary bishops in my region who died of AIDS, who, who went off and broke their vows, went out and got married or had relations with another woman while they were the bishop. That shouldn't scandal us to a point where we lose our faith, and I'll tell you why. 
because this is going to happen. But our faith is not in men who are bishops, even the Pope. It's not, he's not our, our It's in Jesus Christ. I have this crucifix in my office. Why? Right here? Because this is who we worship. And we got to remember that uh, he is the one we worship, not men. So when you have scandals at your parish, you know, we make reparation for them. But we don't lose, leave the church because of leaders who are not leading properly because they're scandalous in their, uh, in their teachings or even non-teachings, too. That can be a scandal. So keep that in mind about scandal. You'll always have scandal in the church. But keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. If there's anything I've learned from 42 years of being in the apostolate, I can tell you from cardinals that I've met, don't need to name names, They've, they've totally disappointed me as leaders in our church because I see what they're teaching. But I always say, well, I need to pray for them. You know, it's easy to complain and say, oh, they're horrible. But are we going to make sacrifices for their conversions? Because these are men that are in key positions in the church. I'll never forget years ago when I was a young man in my 20s, I went to a conference, and Father Vincent Michelli, an old Jesuit priest, wrote a book, Women, Priests, and Other Fantasies, and uh, the book had a cover of a, of a devil ordaining a woman. And I was at this conference, and the director of religious ed in the Los Angeles Diocese, a nun who's now promoting homosexuality, just by I mentioned that, she threw me out of the conference, said, get your stuff out of here. This is... Um, not right. We cannot be promoting what you're doing. And I remember as a 20-some-year-old going, wow, why is she upset? I'm only showing what the church teaches. Well, it took years for me to, to gather to pray for her because at first I wasn't going to pray for her. I said, she's wicked. She doesn't want the truth to be told because I was too young. So now I want to share as an old man at age 65, and we pray for, I've been thrown out of so many churches over the years for teaching orthodoxy. Now we pray, and we make sacrifices for those people who are off-centered. So keep that in mind from this scripture verse. All right, let's bring the smartest guy into the room, which is Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. And full Sheen ahead. And all you people, tell your friends about our YouTube channel. We got a YouTube channel with Fulton Sheen. Uh, You can promote that and get all kinds of quotes from him. Also, support the show by going to catholicrc.org and get a lot of those downloads that we offer. All right, Bishop Sheen says, there is a world of difference between peace of mind and peace of soul. The peaceful soul does not seek now to live morally, but to live for God. Morality is only a byproduct of the union with him. So there's the difference between someone who seeks peace of soul and the peace of of this world. And again, we know that life is short and that eternity is forever. Before I have Dr. French come on after the break, I want to at least give you the good news about Pope Francis has said that he's going to consecrate Russia and Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of Mary on March 25th. And uh, it's a shock because um, not many people were expecting this. Now, the Ukrainian bishops had asked the Holy Father earlier in the month, to do this. Now, 
uh, this appeal was made by the Ukrainian Catholic bishops. So what's interesting about this is that, and we quoted this yesterday in our radio show, not knowing this was going to happen, but the late Father Gabriel Morath, a former chief exorcist of Rome, had already noted that when the consecration was made back in the 25th of March, 1982, uh, he said that uh, that it was it, that it was supposed to be performed a request saying a specific consecration had not yet been made because of what he said then was that many people told him the Pope couldn't do it. Now, it remains to be seen if Pope Francis will make the consecration of Russia in union with the bishops of the world as outlined by Our Lady in 1929. In light of the Vatican's announcement, Father Joseph Shaw chairman of the Latin Mass Society in the UK, called for the uh, bishops of the world to join the Holy Father in making the consecration as Our Lady of Fatima has asked. So that's really big news. Thank you, Jesus. I'm, I'm really happy that the uh, bishops in Ukraine got the Holy Father's attention to say, let's go ahead and consecrate uh, Russia. And uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to have uh, Dr. French talk about the Shroud of Turin and if is it really real. Also, I want to mention many people, we were at the men's conference over the weekend that are brand spanking new here, uh, that we actually um, we actually have uh, a, uh, a, a recordings of the conference of Father Chad Ripperger, nine conferences with his crew, available if people want to get that and they can get that by going to vmpr.org also we've we've been hacked on our website at virgin most powerful radio when you type in vmpr you don't get it but we're we spent another five hundred dollars just to get today security measures to block the hackers so we must be doing something right they're taking you to a a pharmacy rather than virgin most powerful radio pharmacy of of material that is immoral so uh, pray for us that the, we will not be t- hacked in the future, but we did spend some more money of your donation money to protect us with more security. Sounds like um, people don't like what we're doing on the uh, bad side. Well, that shows you that we're doing something right. And um, uh, again, when we come back from the break, Dr. French will be chatting with us about the Shroud of Turin. He's got a great presentation on that topic. But I want to ask him some questions about uh, why, what research has been done and what the results are, because this is the time, especially during Lent, to, pat, to meditate on the passion of Jesus Christ. So I hope this interview will inspire you to do just that, to see what our Lord did, what he did for you. He would have done it for you if you were the only person on the planet. And think about this. If God stopped thinking about you, you'd cease to exist. That tells me he loves me and he loves you. When we come back, we're going to find out how much he loved you by looking at the Shroud of Turin with Dr. French here on Virgin Most Powerful. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Actually, it's not Terry and Jesse. It's Terry and Dr. French, who's been on our show many times. Dr. French, thanks again for taking the time 
to share the gospel. I mean, I mean, you're a busy doctor. You've got lots of things going, but I've never seen you say no when it when I ask you about sharing the gospel. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Terry. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, Doc, you've given a presentation on the Shroud here at our Sacred Heart Chapel, and I mentioned to the folks, is it real? Can you tell us some uh, you know, research that you've done personally that or you've heard or you've done your own research on it? Why don't you give our listeners a little background? Let's assume nobody knows anything about the Shroud of Turin. That's a great, uh, great question. So before I answer that question, um, I think, you know, the real question we should ask is, why does the Shroud of Turin exist? There you go. Great question there, too. <laughs> and so uh, why does the Shroud of Turin exist? And uh, we'll see as we go through this that uh, it's really, it's, it's God's love. It's because Man. God loves us so much that he wanted us to be assured that there's more to life than the material world mm -hmm. and that he has defeated death. And we're going to go through the evidence that 21st century evidence that's really awesome. overwhelming that the Shroud of Turin is indeed the burial cloth of uh, Jesus Christ. And in fact, the image, the way the image is uh, formed is due to a uh, supernatural event. So we're actually see the effects of a supernatural event. And we'll get into that as well. But just right. to give everyone a teaser is that um, it would take six to eight billion watts of laser light energy huh. uh, over one forty billionth of a second. Otherwise, we'd vaporize the shroud. Wow. Um, and it's and it's a 3D image because it basically as he's turning into light. Remember, Jesus, I am the light of the world. Yep. Uh, and 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 John proclaims that as well. Well, it's in fact literally true. He is the light of the world. Not only truth, but um, he is uh, the supernatural uh, author of life for us. And, and that's really what the Shroud of Turin, and that's why it exists. And just like you said, Satan's been after your show. Uh, <laughs> Satan has been after the Shroud of Turin. Yeah. It has been in three fires, two horrendous fires, um, one in 1532, and we'll get into why that's key to why it dates to the 1988 carbon 14 dating dates it back to the, the middle ages, but also in 1996, where an, uh, a brave Italian uh, fireman had to rescue the shroud. So, so Satan doesn't want it around because it's again, evidence <laughs> that there was a resurrection and that we are actually eternal creatures. Uh, same with the 21st century uh, Eucharistic miracles. And that's the other reason it's around is the Shroud of Turin is linked to the 21st century Eucharistic miracles, which also show that we have an eternal soul and an eternal body. So, Well, time so out, time out. You, you just teased me on that. And I know what you're going to say, but I don't think our listeners realize the connection. And yeah. can you just, I mean, I, I want the blood. In other words, can you tell us briefly the connection between Eucharistic miracles and the Shroud of Turin? So, yeah, so the connection is uh, several fold, uh, both, uh, both in the material world, right? Because remember, God was fully human mm -hmm. and fully divine. And Amen. that's, again, another reason the Shroud of Turin exists and the Eucharistic miracles exist in the 21st century, because we th think that science has just proven God. And so God said, no, nah, not quite right. So, so, um, so, so the blood on the shroud of Turin is type AB blood, yep. which is the rarest blood type in the world, but it's in 12% of Jewish people. It also happens to be 
uh, uh, the same blood type on the Sudarium Orvieto, which is again in John 20, when the faith cloth is, uh, is um, wrapped up separately. And that's been definitively dated to, uh, with carbon-14 dating to 600 AD. Uh, and there's 120 blood stains on the Sudarium Orvieto, uh, which match the 120 blood stains on the Shroud of Turin. Wow. And so, uh, so it's in Orvieto, Spain, and the Shroud of Turin's in Italy. So, you know, time and space, uh, I think <laughs> only God can do that. Maybe space aliens, but probably not. So, 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 um, <clears throat> Uh, so, and then, and then the Eucharistic miracles, yeah. just to complete it, God, 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 God uh, is, uh, he, he really loves us. He really wants to show us this, this is true, is that the, all the Eucharistic miracles, the 21st century, and there's four of them, yeah. um, have type AB blood, just the same as on the Shroud of Turin. It's by and coincidence. Um, <laughs> and, and, and they all, and they all, the host turn into heart tissue, which have living white blood cells in them and living white blood cells, white blood cells only exist outside the body for about an hour. Wow. So, it, so it's showing that, that God's humanity, because remember the heart and the blood are his human, right? That's a human. It's showing that that's still alive, which means we live too. That's why he came down. And that's why the Shroud of Turin exists. And that's why he decided, you know what? These poor folks, they need, they need some evidence. They got, they got all these scientists tell them it's all myth and it's just the opposite. So um, wow. that's, that's why. So those are the connections. And, and, the, and the white blood cells are important because it's a sign of stress and I mentioned this in our talk, and I mentioned this in all my talks, is that that's, that's why it's in Luke 22, 44, because people will remember Luke was a Gentile physician. That's right. And remember Jesus sweat blood. That's a real condition. And, um, and that shows severe stress. I mean, obviously his passion, the severe mental, physical stress, which we see both of that in the Shroud of Turin and the Eucharistic Miracles, white blood cells, um, infiltrate your heart tissue. And that's what all these Eucharistic miracles show. Incredible connections, Doc, that yeah. I think if the world knew this, uh, even yeah. Catholics, I mean, we got to get this word out to people. This is phenomenal. It really is. And we think about what the Church teaches about the Holy Eucharist. In the Second Vatican Council, it calls it the Eucharist the source and summit of the Christian life. So this is interesting to delve into the Shroud of Turin. Tell us more. Yeah. So uh, again, back to the, the the source and summit. It's way more than that. It's showing our divinity, our divinity. You know that that you know Christ's divinity imparts to us. We get to live eternally, yeah. and we get to join Him in heaven, <laughs> and and our bodies do too. I mean, that's why that's why they're both there. So. Uh, again, I just want to repeat to people because we've you know been living through this fear of death of COVID, and yeah. now suddenly we're living in fear of death of nuclear war. Right. And again, as we all know, that's all from Satan. And remember what Paul says in First Corinthians: you know, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Amen. If for the dead have not raised, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And asleep meant dead in those days in the yeah. first century. For if, if for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we're the most of all most men most to be pitied. 
Doc, doc, that's that's St. Paul saying that's why yeah. the shroud of turn exists. Exactly. Now, that's exactly why the shroud. And then and then go he goes on later. Yes. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh death, where is that victory? <laughs> oh death, where is thy sting? Yes. And we've lost that sense. Two-thirds of Catholics don't believe in the real presence. They don't believe in the supernatural because we live in a secular culture that says this is all a myth. And in fact, the evidence is of the opposite. So Doc, we'll go through a lot of before that. Before we do that, I can hear people are texting me saying, well, what? how is this guy so on fire for the Shroud of Turin, Eucharistic miracles? Can you just briefly tell us how you were touched by investigating these um, miracles and how they touched your faith? So um, I'm an ER physician, and so I noticed about uh, 10 to 15 years ago that we were seeing an increase in suicides yeah. in our youth. Yes. And um, and so I uh, wanted to get in front of it because by the time they come to the ER, it's too late. They've already made their attempt. They're depressed. They're, you know, sure. it's, it's very sad. And then and just by the way, with the COVID lockdowns and mandates, We've seen a 50% increase in adolescent uh, girl suicide attempts oh. and a 25% over. Uh, so, so COVID has even made it worse. So, so, um, so I started, uh, you know, trying to, you know, what's the solution? I knew it wasn't me and was led by the Holy Spirit basically to see the Shroud of Turin in 2015. Pope Francis opened it up for viewing. Mm -hmm. And when you go see the Shroud of Turin in person. Yes. And again, as an ER doctor who's seen traumatized patients, I'm going, wait a minute, all this materials I gotten from the Vatican and from this Catholic pilgrimage is like, this could be medieval forge. I'm going, are you kidding me? <laughs> There's no question. And, and again, with the 1978 Shroud of Turin uh, research project that was conducted, they had multiple forensic scientists uh, look at it, the LA County coroner looked at it, and they all go, I agree. Oh yeah, this is, this is the image of a Jewish man crucified, just like this described in the Bible in a state of rigor mortis. Wow. You know, remember, no, no, he will not be corrupt. So every doctor is seen as like, yeah, I'm convinced. So, so then two days later, um, I saw the Eucharistic miracle on Chano, Italy, which again, in 750 AD, that also had a heart tissue and um, the wine turned into blood. Of course, that wasn't analyzed fully until the 20th, the 20th century, because in 1971, and then again, in 1981, it's looked at, but because again, they didn't have microscopes and all that stuff back in 750 AD. So, and again, that Eucharistic miracles is connected to the 1996 ones in Buenos Aires, oh my which then were confirmed in 2005. Yep. And, um, and then 2006 in Tixla, Mexico, 2008 in Sokoka, Poland, and December 25th, 2013. Those space aliens are very, very clever. So, <laughs> so um, that's, I mean, it's just, the, the evidence is overwhelming. And like you said, no one knows about that. Just look what's going on with the media now. We don't know, no. you know, truth is not out there. We don't have truth in science anymore. We don't have truth in anything anymore. Yeah. So it's really hard to get the word out, but yeah. This needs to get out. This is, I did an interview yesterday that will broadcast on Friday of a young woman who wants to be a cloistered nun praying for priests before the Blessed Sacrament 24-7, okay? That's what this order does. And it was because somebody asked her at a parish to teach, to teach catechism to second graders when she realized she knew nothing about her Catholic faith. And I don't mean to make the analogy with you, doctor, of this, you know, nun, future cloistered nun, but you see, 
what you're doing is opening people's minds to say, wait a minute, what do I believe about the Holy Eucharist? What do I believe about Jesus Christ? This opens up a whole can of uh, questions that people need to ask about the meaning and purpose of life. And I think that this is why it's important to have you on our show to, sh- to demonstrate to our people that, yes, Jesus is real. He was a real man. He was God and man. And that this is evidence of who he was and that he loves us so much that if you were the only person on the planet, he would die on the cross for you. And that if he stopped thinking about you, you would cease to exist. So, Doc, your little testimony of how it got you fired up, you're just passing this on to other people. And I thank you for that. When we when we come back, I want to delve deeper into the connections of the Shroud of Turin and our beliefs about who Jesus Christ was. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show. I like to say I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, I'd be a billionaire. I'm talking to Dr. French about the Shroud of Turin. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, Here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. Talking to Dr. French about the Shroud of Turin. We talked about the connection with the Eucharistic miracles. We're really just, we're talking about the person of Jesus Christ. And there's evidence today to to really demonstrate what he went through in his passion and death. Doc, I want to turn it back over to you. Share some more information on this, please. Sure. So, so first I want to say that, you know, the Holy Spirit uh, has a sense of humor. He, he, <laughs> he has us here. Definitely picks uh, <laughs> yeah. people that are clueless like myself and, and, but, but leads you. Cause again, this is really all through the Holy Spirit. And what happened is I got led to Father Robert Spitzer, all this materials I'm speaking to you about and these mm-hmm, issues mm-hmm. that we're facing today, Father Spitzer at his Maja Center a website, incredible Catholic are resources for children. And we're trying to get the truth out to as many people as we can. We even have it out in Ireland. We have the whole country of Ireland learning. We have have over 90 dioceses that have adopted these programs because again, as you mentioned earlier, this hasn't been taught to people for 60 years. So we're reintroducing that. And um, it's, you know, that's, that's how the, that's how the Holy Spirit works. So, you know, that's, uh, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. So, um, so the evidence is uh, very overwhelming, but I think the first thing we have to do is dispel this 1988 um, carbon-14 oh, yeah. uh, dating because people, that's an impediment for people. Yep. Um, and, and so I just want to give a brief uh, update of why it's inaccurate. Um, so the Shroud of Turin is a linen uh, burial cloth, and that's what they used to bury people in the first century Um in linen, which is made out of flax. They didn't have cotton in the um, first century uh, Judea, and they didn't have it really until about year 800, and didn't make it to Europe until about the about, about the year 1000, wasn't widely used. So, so, so all the burial cloths are, are in, in, um, in linen. In fact, Queen Cleopatra is in a linen garment, uh, linen, a burial cloth, and remember Joseph of Arimathea, the quality of the of the linen garment at uh, the Shroud of Turin is higher than that of Queen Cleopatra. So wow. 
So that, again, back to that whole issue about, you know, Joseph Arimathea. So he really did donate his uh, burial cloth and, and, and cave. So, um, and that, it's a unique first century um, Syrian herringbone uh, weave that only occurred in Syria, which was, you know, Palestine, basically. So um, that's important. Uh, so, so just to give you a, a little bit of history, what happened is the Shroud of Turin was... Um, really since 500 um, displayed everywhere, actually ended up in Constantinople, went from Edessa, uh, which was Greece in those time and into now Turkey, from, went from there to, uh, to Constantinople. That's where we see all the images, all the icons and, and all that. It wasn't discovered until 525 in the walls of the city. And that was a great Christian city back then. And, um, uh, and, and the emperor, one of the emperors, uh, then stole it from Edessa because they needed it. And so they had all these displays, they'd have all these displays. And so when you go back and look at the iconography, mm -hmm. the mosaics and all that, uh, after year 525, so there's, there's, uh, mosaics and coins and all that from the year 600, 700, 800, and they all show what we see on the Shroud of Turin. And in fact, there's a really interesting coin that, um, was made in 626 and the shroud of turin has a fold you know if we could show visuals which what you saw and we do in these right. presentations sure. uh sure. it has this fold well the coin has the fold in it so clearly the artist in 626 yep. was was looking at the same image that we're seeing on the shroud of turin so so it was paraded around and i won't go into the history of how it ended up getting to turin but um, it was stolen from Constantinople in 1204 in the Fourth Crusade when the Knights Templar sacked uh, Constantinople and they took they took the Shroud of Turin. Um, and so what happened is uh, um, it eventually ends up in Turin, but before it gets there in 1532, there's the fire of Chambray. And the fire of Chambray, I remember I mentioned there were two really bad fires. Fire of Chambray was so hot that it 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 uh, melted the silver box that the Shroud of Turin was kept in in those days uh, from about, I guess, from about the year uh, 500 was kept in the kind of silver box folded up. And um, and it because it's 14 feet by three and a half feet long because, you know, it's Jesus, the image of Jesus is about five, 10 to six foot. So he was a tall he would have stood out in those days. That was not the average height back in the first century. And so. Um, uh, it, huge fire, um, and all. You know, uh, but but miraculously, the image didn't burn. But that's why you see those burn marks on the side. Well, silver melts at seventeen hundred degrees Fahrenheit, and the shroud turn was not uh, did not go up in flames. And then they also one of the things that proves that it's not a scorch or a um, a paint is that they doused it with tons of water because that, that's what they put out fires with. Well, when you douse a painting, like you take the Mona Lisa and douse it with water, the image will move. <laughs> this image didn't move. So it turns out like, we'll, you know, <clears throat> what we found out in the 21st century is it it's on the upper six microns, which is the width of a human hair. Wow. This image is on the width of a human hair it's a 3D perfect image because every point in the body is creating. That's what really transfiguration. We just read about the transfiguration. The reason his clothes shine and his face shines is the light energy is emanating from Jesus, not the other way around, showing his divinity. That's what the transfiguration, transfiguration is really a 
a precursor of the shroud. <laughs> it's basically telling us you're going to have a shroud and a shroud of Turin. And so that's, that's why it's, well, again, that's why it's in the Bible. So pure light energy, as I said before, takes six to 8 billion Watts over one forty billionth of a second from every point in the body. It's a 3d image. So, so, um, so anyway, so they, in 1978, uh, I'm sorry, so back to history, in, in 1898, they decided to take a photograph, Secundo Pia, which means second son, uh, took, the, took, the, uh, it took a picture of the Shroud of Turn, first ever photograph, because that's, you know, when uh, <clears throat> photography was around. And the, the image is what we see today. The negative image is what we see today. It's a positive image because it's a real, it was a real person you know, a real, both fully divine and fully human, uh, but you can only see the human part, right? So, so, um, uh, so they, so they took this picture and, you know, everyone is like scandalized by this. So 30 years later in 19, just they, the ads is a fake, it's a forgery. In 19, in 1931, they took another photograph and found the same thing. And that's when people started to say, wait a minute, maybe there's something going on yeah, here. Really? And that's what led to the 1978 uh, Shroud of Turn Research Project, which involved scientists from all over America, top-notch scientists from the Jet Propulsion Lab, from, from the Air Force Academy, uh, botanists, uh, just all sorts of scientists. They collected all this evidence that we won't have time to go through all of it, but, but a lot of it. Well, uh, they took samples of the shroud. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then kept them. Well, uh, everyone was so convinced that they just convinced Pope John Paul, St. John Paul II to go ahead and allow a, a carbon-14 dating test to be done, which again, uh, was reasonable. But again, this, this, this shroud has been displayed for 2000 years. So it's gonna, it's gonna have carbon-14 deposited from every age. But the real issue is in the 1932 fire. Well, so um, 1532 fire. So, um, so they took samples and lo and behold, they found that it dated to the Middle Ages. Well, everyone was devastated. And it took really until the 21st century, really around 2001, 2005, when they started looking at, wait a minute, there's where they took this sample was on the outside of the cloth. They, the Shroud of Turin Research Project was going to take it in six different areas. Instead, the Italian scientists took it in this area that was involved in the fire. And they realized that it just looked like a little different weave. It was actually a nurse that kind of saw, kept looking at a computer screen as, wait, is it slightly different? This first century herringbone is slightly different. Well, then they discovered um, writings from the poor Claire nuns who lived in Chambray, and they described how they repaired, <laughs> how they repaired the Shroud of Turin. And... And um, and so when they looked when they looked at the, the the fibers again, they found cotton in the in the sample that they took in 1988. When they went back and looked at the ones from 1978 from the different areas, didn't have any cotton. Again, remember it's a linen garment made out of flax. There was no cotton in the first century. So basically, that's why it dates to 1988 uh, to the Middle Ages of 1988 uh, carbon 14 dating because. It has cotton in it and it's a linen garment. It's a flax garment. So yeah, you, the, the repair you can date to the Middle Ages. That's accurate. Doc, isn't there a so, connection also so. to the Holy Land, the type of, uh, of um, 
uh, seeds that are in the Holy Land are somehow on the shroud, showing that that was in the Holy Land? Right. So, so, so what are all the different evidences? So yeah. we're just kind of going to go through by category. Sure. So there's forensic evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, there are newer 21st century testing that can date it back to the, to the time of Jesus. They then in the 1978 project, they brought this um, a famous botanist, uh, Max Fry, who's kind of like CSI for Europe. <laughs> and, um, and he also uh, moonlit as a maintenance guy. And so he vacuumed the shroud. No, he vacuumed the shroud to look for pollen sample because <laughs> that's, that's what his job was, yeah. is he would. And so, and so he matched the pollen samples to everywhere. You know, he right. matched it to Constantinople sure. from Chambray, France to, you know, Turin. Where it's been. Um, and, and, uh, but he couldn't, couldn't find where the pollen in the crown of thorns area came from. So uh, he went to Jerusalem and just by coincidence, yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> those pollen samples, those really yep. clever space aliens, yep. the, the pollen samples were from the crown of thorns plant that only grows near Jerusalem. That's the phenomenal and- connection. <clears throat> when we come back, I want to hear more about evidence that the Shroud of Turin is real. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We have Dr. French here, an expert on the Shroud. And when you come back, you're going to get more evidence of the Shroud being the real burial clode of Christ. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. Is right. Jesse will be back on Monday. Dr. French is here giving us the facts about the Shroud of Turin. And I think that it's really phenomenal, Doc, that uh, you've done the research and that you're willing to share this with people. Uh, you, you came to our, our chapel here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. Are there any events that you're coming up that we can advertise here in Southern California where you're going to be speaking at other parishes at this moment? Uh, I'm doing a couple down in San Diego. Okay. Um, and um, and I'm doing it. I'm doing I'm working with Chaldean Radio oh, TV. Good. I'm doing a presentation there on Wednesday, actually. Awesome. awesome. And um, yeah, so um, so we're trying to get again, trying to get this word out as far as we can. And again, I just want to remind people, if you want to look at the resources and incredible information, go to MajaCenter.com or Crediblecatholic.com. It's all there. Awesome. Father Spitzer is a, is a modern day Thomas Aquinas. So yeah. So um, well, let's get just, more evidence. Yeah. We got one more segment. What else do you want to share with yeah. us, Doc? So I think the, the next thing we should talk about is the forensic evidence. We've talked about um, we've talked about the image congruence, how the you know the images and all that fit. We've talked about talked a little bit about forensic evidence about the type AB blood. We've talked about how the image was formed, but let's go through the rest of the forensic evidence, sure. which is again very very compelling. So so. Um, so for one thing, um, the uh, in first century Judea, when someone died, they, they you know he's horribly crucified. But then they're nice to the body afterwards. They would <laughs> place coins. They would place coins on the eyes. Well, when you do deep uh, thermal imaging and 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 ultraviolet, when you do all this fancy scientific work, 
you can see deep to the image. Again, remember, it's only on the upper six microns and width of a human hair deep to that image because Jesus turning into light energy as he's as resurrecting. Um, and the cloth is falling through. That's why it's a 3D image. You can see just again, by coincidence, Roman leptons from Pontius Pilate minted in AD 29. Wow. So, and also you can see uh, image where the nail marks are. Um, So let's go through the rest of the forensic. Let's do it. uh, Let's go through the rest of the forensic Mm -hmm. evidence. So number one, remember in Isaiah 53, not a bone shall be broken. Well, guess what? There aren't any bones broken in this uh, forensic (laughs) evidence shows there's no broken bones. However, there's cartilage bone uh, broken. Yeah, most of your nose, ninety percent of your nose is cartilage, the end part. The first part, and closest to your eyes, is bone, and that's not broken. But there is cartilage bone because, again, there's severe trauma. Remember all those gospel right. accounts. Recall, recall how many times he was hit, and so he's got swelling around the eyes. He's getting, he was hit pretty hard many times, mm-hmm. suffered greatly, and um, but no broken bones. So um, and then. Remember on all the images you see, because uh, again, remember a lot of the early images were not, they didn't know that the nails were in the wrist right. because in, in, in first century Judea, they didn't have a word for wrist. They just called it the hand. Mm-hmm. Well, if you put a nail through the hand, it won't support the weight. There's been right. many experiments done that. But also what's compelling shows that it really was in a live person through the, through the wrist, right mm-hmm. at the juncture of the wrist and the hand, is that um, there's four fingers. And when you look at the four fingers on, um, on the image or you know, the icons that now or the paintings now that show it and the images, um, there's only four fingers. Well, it turns out that when you analyze the image itself, it's the bones you're seeing. It's again, it's a 3D image. You're seeing the bones. Um, but it's four fingers because when you drive a nail through the, to the wrist, it goes through the median nerve and that forces your thumb to curl over. Mm-hmm. And so there's even painting. So there's a 11th century Hungarian prey codex that shows that herringbone, that first century herringbone weave, sure. and it shows the four fingers. So again, this shroud has been around since after Christ died. <laughs> so, so, um, so, and it, it, so that's fascinating. The other thing that we've talked about the type AB blood, um, but also what's really important to, to recognize is that all the gospel accounts with the scourging, that's why they're in there is that they, uh, you can match when you take the image and you match it to a Roman flagrum, which is what they would, would, uh, whip people with Mm -hmm. and it had what had either metal at the ends dumbbell shaped metal or uh uh, pieces of bone that would rip and tear the flesh it's just horrible well he has over a hundred uh over a hundred uh some say 120 scourge marks and if you take a roman flagrum and put it there you can match it just like the roman pelum which is the roman lance and that's on the right side of the image and that's where the water and blood, you know, and the divine mercy. That's another thing we need to talk about how it's connected to the divine mercy. Because um, remember, Sister Faustina, sure. kind of mentally challenged, kind of like myself. And um, and <laughs> she set, kept saying, you know, I saw Jesus, and you know, and and, and you know, originally she wasn't, re- you know, wasn't believed, but eventually they, they did believe her. And so remember, she commissioned the 
this painting that Jesus wanted her to do this painting. She didn't do it, but they, she worked with, turned out a Freemason to do the painting. And, um, and again, it came out in 1935. She spent a year and would kept, you know, correcting the image. Well, um, of, you know, World War II happened and then the communists. And so it was hidden when they rediscovered the, uh, uh, the, the, the original divine mercy and then you digitalize the Shroud of Turin and place it on the, um, <laughs> on the Divine Mercy painting. This is incredible. It matches. Ah! And, 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 and Saint, Saint Faustina never went to Turin. She never saw the Shroud of Turin. She never saw any of this. It matches. So she really did see Jesus. And that's, you know, again, that's why he was given a 20th century evidence and now given his 21st century. So, he, you know, God loves us that much. He's trying to show that, hey, this stuff is real, despite what these really smart scientists tell you. So, um, so that's, uh, so that's important. The other thing that's really important is that um, it's in a state of rigor mortis. So remember, Jesus arrives on the, uh, it rises in the third day. Now in, in first century Palestine, that's why we can have mass at five. The next day, so Friday is day one, but 5 p.m. is really considered part of Saturday. So that's day two. And then he resurrects on Sunday. So that's day three. So that's how they kept time. That's why we can have mass at 5 p.m. on, on, on Saturday. So, so, so uh, rigor mortis only lasts about 36 to 48 hours. And so this body, all the forensic scientists, all the, the pathologists that have looked at this, all the medical examiners look at said, oh, there's no question. This is a body in a state of rigor mortis. There is no decay. So again, just like in Isaiah 53, there's no decay. So again, really, really clever space aliens. So, so um, that's what, uh, <clears throat> that's what uh, we find. And uh, I could, could go on and on about the different forensic. Uh, uh, there's, um, I think, again, remember that there's other injuries. So for example, remember it's in the doc gospel documents, they talk about uh, the gospel writings that he fell well, there's, there's injuries to his knee wow. uh, that you see on the Shroud of Turin. Um, and we already talked about all the bruising that was there. We talked about the scourging, the crown of thorns. And then you can also just see the way the blood runs. So if you see the face, there's a close-up of the face. You look at that. It has in the temple a reverse three. And the reason there's a reverse three is when the temporal furrows, when blood drips down, it goes into this reverse three, basically. It's just the pattern of blood flowing down. So this is a real, I mean, that's what everyone has concluded. This is a real human crucified exactly as it's described. The other thing that's really interesting note, remember they always call him teacher. They call him rabbi. Right. Well, he's got long hair and a beard just like a rabbi does. And the image also contains a phylactery, you know, where the, the, the Jewish people keep. So he, he was, he did look like a rabbi. And, um, uh, and in fact, the person, Barry Schwartz, who was one of the photographers um, in 1978, he was brought on board to said to, to, um, to validate that this is really a Jewish rabbi crucified. And he, he, yeah, he, he's saying that, of course, he hasn't converted to Christianity, but he says, yeah, that's really is Jesus. Wow. So, yeah, it's just the, the evidence is just you go on and on and on. The, when you, then you add the image congruence, you, yeah. you do, the, you do the, the pollen. I mean, uh, the, the problem. So each one has a probability, right? If you add up each one of those, the probability that this is a medieval forgery 
or even a modern day, we can't replicate that image today. We don't have the technology. Mm -hmm. So someone outside of time and space that could travel through space, you know, yep. travel through, you know, from sure. collect the pollen sound. So, so either that or it's God. Yep. So, I mean, it's just, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's really, it's not, is it, uh, is it uh, really um, an image of the resurrection? It's, is it faked by space aliens over space and time right. or did God do it? That's, that's, there's, it's not, it's not that it's a forgery. There's no, no forger could do anything like this. Yeah. The, yeah. And how the image is created with the nuclear energy. So again, yeah. it's just, there's, it's overwhelming. Now doc dynamic Catholic.org. Is that the website people can get more information on this? No, no, it's the, there's two websites, two websites. actually, there are actually three websites that we now have. Okay, good. Uh, Let's hear Father it. Spitzer. So there is, um, there is magiscenter.com mm -hmm. and credible credible catholic okay.com and then the third one we just added is the purposeful universe which goes through how god created you know the big bang theory really was from a catholic priest jesuit right the big bang theory um shows that the life you know that the universe had a beginning mm -hmm. And at that moment, all the constants, the speed of light, gravity, all that set was set at the moment of the Big Bang. So like what I'd like to tell people when I give these talks is four billion years ago, roughly, mm -hmm. the earth was water and rocks. How do you get living, talking, walking rocks? You don't get that from evolution. Exactly. Something yeah. has, so that's why, again, our soul is supernatural. It's not part of the material world. And that's what the culture's kind of constantly trying to tell you. When you die, it's over. There's so much evidence. And in our talk, we went over near-death experiences. We'll have to do that another time because we don't have time. But oh, near-death okay. experiences are show show the the soul, um, the soul survives bodily death. And and the resurrection and the Shroud of Turin showed that your body survives <laughs> a bodily death. And the Eucharistic miracles, the 21st Eucharistic, show that both your soul and body survive death. We are eternal creatures. We've lost that. And, you know, we were locked down in fear of death. It's yep. just, it's just, it's horrific. Again, where does that come from? Satan. We are fighting powers. What is truth? Quid es veritas. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what Pontius Pilate says when he's talking to Jesus. And what does Jesus say? I'm here to proclaim the truth. Wow. That's why it's here. That's why the Shroud of Turin exists. Dr. French, my phone's burning up with questions about the Earth presentation. And I want to remind people that you did do one here. We recorded it. I guess we're going to try and make it available on our website. Richard's editing it right now. So I want to Thank you again for your generous time here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And I just want to say, keep up the good work and may God bless you and your family. God, God bless you. you. Thanks. Better. Thanks for everybody. Yeah. If Jesse was here, I'd ask him this question. What state should we be living in? A state of grace. Continue to get the confession as soon as possible during this Lenten season. May God bless you. And Bishop Strickland's up next.